welcome to the Pink Smoke Podcast. My name is John Cribbs. I'm co-founder of thepinksmoke.com, and this is the official podcast of that website. We are here uh, in October, and every October for our Pulp Fiction episode, which is what this is, we always do a work of horror fiction. We read a work of horror fiction and we discuss it, whether it's Frankensteins or Dracula's or killer stray cats, which is what we're going to be talking about today. And who knows more about homicidal stray cats than our very good friend, returning guest, the absolutely effervescent Wendy Mays of the Pet Cinematary Podcast. How you doing, Wendy? I'm peachy. That was quite the introduction. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> doesn't even start. Doesn't even start to describe what big fans we are of you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I had seen this book uh, originally. Uh, it was a review by Will Erickson on Too Much Horror Fiction, which is a great uh, website. So I was really curious about it. Um, and then as I found out more about it, I got even more curious about it. But essentially, it's the, basically it's Hitchcock's The Birds, except with cats. <laughs> Is that a fair description? Yeah, I would say that that's a fair description. I mean, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Because there's so many times where it's just like them looking, not to give anything, get too into it right away, but them just like looking at the cats and the cats staring at them. Yeah, there's a lot of, of there's a lot of back and forth. Slow building suspense. Yes. The realization that, you know, there are more of these cats than anyone could have thought. Exactly. That there is some kind of conspiracy within nature to punish mankind in the uh form in this in, in the furry form of these abandoned cats. Um so it's the book is Feral, uh by Burton Ruscha, uh, which was published originally in nineteen seventy four. And before we launch into it, uh, Wendy, every time we do one of these Pulp Fiction picks, as, uh, as you know, we select an aperitif, a work, an artwork, a book, or a movie, or a radio program, or a high school play <laughs> to, to go with this. That if people want to, uh, first, the aperitif to uh, read before they read this, to prepare for it. So I'm going to go ahead and ask you, what would you recommend people indulge in before they see, read this book? Well, I'm going to tell people about what I thought uh, a little made-for-TV movie that I had seen in the past that I assumed before I started reading the book was based on the book. Uh, it is apparently not, but that's okay because it's the same story. Uh, but there's a little uh, made-for-TV movie. It came out in 1991 called Strays which is about also some city folk moving to the country and then their house gets overrun with cats. It is written by the one and only Sean Cassidy. Yes. Yes, yes that's Sean Cassidy. <laughs> and it is directed by John McPherson. Um, stars Timothy Busfield and Kathy Quinlan. Um, and it's, it's almost the same story as this book. There's a few changes, obviously. Um, but you know, it's also the, the killer cats. Um, yeah. And, and because you had brought this to my attention, I'd never heard of this movie before. Um, and, and so I watched it. I would love to actually get more in depth to this movie later in the episode, if that's okay. Yeah. A hundred percent. Perfect pairing with it. And, and like you said, I kind of can't believe it wasn't based on the book. Um, but it's, uh, direct, as you said, the director, I, I, I was pleased to find was the cinematographer of Jaws the Revenge. Yes. And, and Bingo. 
the last <laughs> film he shot as a DP was Bingo. Wow. So he knows his animal movies. He does. That's really impressive. Who knew? He's well-versed in both the yeah. Animal Attack movie and in the Animal Buddy movie. So <laughs> you would think the perfect person to direct the Killer Cat TV 100%. movie with Tim Busfield. That's so, oh my God, Timothy Busfield. I love him so much. Uh, yeah, yeah, that it's, um, for those that want to see it, it is available in its entirety on YouTube. So yes. it's an easy find to, to go and watch. And I was, again, I'm so happy that you sent me that link and I got to watch it because <laughs> I wouldn't have believed you otherwise at the similarities <laughs> between these stories. But like I said, because they are so close, I'd love to talk about it after we get into the book and kind of get yeah. into the meat of the story. Um, my aperitif, is going to be the Nicholas Ray movie, uh, Bigger Than Life, from 1956. Do you know that one? No, I don't. So it's a film about, it's kind of a, it's kind of a cinephile cult classic, you know? It's, uh, right. I think it got I mean, a Criterion release and everything. Yeah. Um, but it stars James Mason as this incredibly dull family man who is a school teacher, and to make ends meet, he's working as like a taxi dispatcher at night at the same time. Um, but he's like a very straight-laced, very friendly. Everybody loves this guy. He's just the nicest guy on the planet. His fellow teacher, Walter Matthau, just has nothing but praise for this guy. But he starts having fainting spells. And so he uh, is prescribed cortisone, the new uh, mood drug that's going to, you know, the, the miracle drug, they call it, that's <laughs> going to revive him and make him feel better. But he starts going off dosage, and he becomes this raging bully like this insane horrible jerk he starts um like beating up his son at basketball like he, you know he won't stop like challenging the kid to one-on-one -on -one and then beating the crap out of him and yelling at him he starts suspecting his wife of having an affair with walter Matthau. he just becomes completely unhinged and so it becomes sort of this you know b movie at this point sort of like a an anti-drug sort of film where mm -hmm. he becomes addicted to the cords and it goes crazy and you might say, what the hell does this have to do with killer cats? Well, I'm glad you asked because uh, it's based on an article, an actual medical article called 10 Feet Tall, written by one Burton Ruscha. Oh. Or he wrote Farrell, Ruscha uh, was a medical journalist and had his whole career. He's a really well-known, actually. He's one of the most famous of the time. He was a staff writer for The New Yorker. He wrote books like Eleven Blue Men and Other Narrative of uh, Medical Detection. So mainly it was about medical detective stories where the doctor is figuring out, you know, what the prognosis is of these very strange symptoms. Uh, and these stories apparently inspired the show House, the Hugh Laurie show. Yeah. So that's what he did. He kind of branched out a little bit later on into pulp crime novels and then eventually ended up doing a couple horror fictions in the 70s like this one. But I mean, this guy's like a recipient of the Academy Award of the American Academy of Arts for Letters for Literature. I mean, he's like a really bona fide fella. Yeah. So it makes it more interesting that he would end up doing <laughs> this book yeah. of all things. But bigger than life especially... It, because it becomes such like a sleazy sort of B-movie by the middle of it, it actually makes sense. Like he actually is, I think, more of like a, just a, a gritty sort of pulpy writer. I think that maybe he uh -huh. kind of had that in him all the time, even while he was writing articles for the New Yorker and everything. I think maybe deep within him lived this 
guy who wanted to write horror fiction all along. Yeah, well, it's funny because the main character is an editor for like a science magazine, right? Yes, yeah. So exactly. <laughs> that's kind of funny. I wonder how much like if him and his wife got a little country home and mm-hmm. he saw yeah, some, no, he and then just in, went, yeah. He lived in Amagas, Amagaset, oh. the uh, the Long Island uh, community that they end up. Oh, that is so funny. So this is a true story. It more or less <laughs> is a true story. Something that really happened to uh, Bert Luce. <laughs> Wow, so Which now I just I think delightful. he hates cats. <laughs> <laughs> well, that we'll we'll definitely yeah, get into I that mean, now. Um yeah. yeah, because it's is it that he hates cats or that he hates humans? I don't know. Yeah, um, that's kind of true. Uh why don't you tell us what's how does this how does this book start? What's the uh what what's the introduction to these characters? Uh so the introduction to these characters. So you have oh, I'm already forgetting their names because Jack I'm and terrible. Amy. Thank you very much. I'm like I'm a terrible person. I can't remember names. <laughs> um yes, Jack and Amy are city folk, I believe, who are uh looking for a maybe a summer home and they go to uh it's so weird because honestly my visuals for this book were so much entangled with the made-for-tv movie strays that like <laughs> i was really envisioning like timothy busfield and come, i'm like oh yeah okay but basically they're going they're they're checking out and they buy a home in the country it's a little off from the town it's like a mile away from the town right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah um it's a mile away from town and then you know in the winter they'll go back and live in the city being new york city um, which eventually they, after the first year, scrap and decide to live there full time. Uh, now, even from the get-go, they notice that maybe something's a little wrong. There's a dead cat in one of the one of the rooms when the realtor is showing it to them, but they're like, oh, that's, you know, it just probably broke in and died. No big deal. Um, and it's not, I feel like it's not really until they start living there full time that the cats really kind of start encircling the house and kind of claiming it as their, Oh, I forgot. And then they get, um, I don't know how much you want me to tell about this story. Oh yeah. No, we, we did. Yeah. Spoiler alert. We go page one to the end. So yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and they're a basic couple. He writes for a, um, a scientific mag or he doesn't write he's the editor of articles for a scientific magazine right and an easy job that you can do at home she's i just assume a stay-at-home wife because it's the 70s and it seemed like she was <laughs> uh, um she's kind of she's real basic uh there was yeah, not a she's lot not of a terribly to... complicated character no she's <laughs> old not <Amy> bishop <laughs> by any sort of realm sort of there to just realm. be scared yeah, she's just wife. <laughs> but like, she it. but she does kind of incite things by purchasing, right, from the gas station. Uh yeah, so one day when she's out at the gas station, somebody's giving away, I think, free kittens. So she grabs one. Or not doesn't grab one. She just takes one, you know. It's like, "Hey, we got a kitten." <laughs> and the the way that they treat this cat is the most bizarre thing. Like they let it out at night and let it in during the day which is totally opposite of what anybody that has like a house cat would do um like I grew up in Florida with tons of cats and we always brought them in at night and then you know during the day they could go out and wander Mm -hmm. but like at night is when you bring them in like 
at night is like when all the dangerous woodland creatures would be out. Like, don't let the cats out at night. Keep it safe inside. <laughs> um, but they don't do that. They let it out. Um, and then they turn into, and I, I, I texted you, John, and was like, <laughs> at this point in the story, I texted you and was like, I don't like these people. They're awful human beings. Am I really going to have to have sympathy for them somewhere down the line in this book? Because what they do is instead of taking this awesome cat that they found and took into their home and raised it for like, I don't know, three or four months, instead of taking it back to the city, once the summer is over, they dump it on the street <laughs> next to a home they think looks good and that somebody might take it in, but they just dump it on the street and then drive off into the city. Yeah. They've, uh, that really took me aback as well. Although it was funny because I had read the whole book and my immediate concern when I realized I had asked you to read this and talk about it on the mm -hmm. podcast was, oh, there's a lot of human on cat violence in this. I, this might have been like a bad book to, you know, ask Wendy to read because it's pretty upsetting. Um, so when <laughs> you got most upset about the initial <laughs> abandonment before it even got into that, I was like, oh, <laughs> yes, that is also very upsetting. But uh, I think they kind of come around to realize this was a mistake. And I think this is sort of where Roucher is kind of uh, getting us into this idea that abandoning cats is not okay. It might seem okay to city folk who for mm -hmm. some reason think a cat can't survive in an apartment. In I, I don't understand. Their reasoning made no <laughs> sense to me. They're like, it's been raised in the country. It won't understand an apartment. I'm like, have you seen a cat? Do, have you met one? Because what? They're totally fine in apartments. You assholes <laughs> just don't want to haul litter up, you know, however many flights. Yeah, exactly. That's literally the only reason. <laughs> just admit it. Exactly. Also, I don't think that they got the cat uh, spayed in any sort of way. Um, so yeah. Snickers, I believe the cat's name was. Snickers. Sneaker, sneakers. Sneakers. You're right. Sneakers. Um, nice, was, nice connection there with strays since yeah. Timothy uh, Busfield is in the movie Sneakers. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that must be why he got the part a hundred percent but yeah i think these guys at the beginning of the book um seem like decent people but i think he's kind of maybe dropping a few hints that they are kind of thoughtless kind of not using their best senses i mean they basically yeah. they almost on the almost on impulse by this house in east hampton and uh, the community of and i'm gonna have trouble pronouncing this the whole episode but uh amagansett is what it's called in long yeah. island of uh, the south shore of long island um they basically just want to sit around and drink martinis like i can't <laughs> like when uh that's all they want to do and they basically mm -hmm. want to retire at you know age 30 or however old they're supposed to be uh and then they have such a good time doing it that after that initial summer after they dump poor sneakers on the side of the road they decide they're just gonna live here full time they're gonna make <laughs> amagansett their full-time residence since he can edit his very boring journals with titles like uh <laughs> some interstellar molecules and <laughs> migratory patterns of sea turtles that he has to uh that he can do that from his country home and his boss has no problem with it. they're just going to live at this place full time and once they make that decision they're so happy the memory of sneakers just completely fades and they're just there and they have each other and that's it. 
so rude. City jerks. I mean, honestly, I was so upset. <laughs> I was like, you people are trash. Whatever happens to you in the rest of the book, you deserve it. I hope one of you dies. Like, I was just like so ready for them to get really injured by a cat. Yeah. I'm a yeah. little upset that Sneakers never really makes an appearance again. Sort of. Sort, sort of. of. There's a little yeah. bit, maybe. Hits. Yeah. But, but, but yeah, Sneakers does, should have been become, leading that charge. Did not become the leader of the pack. Yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. And it, I found that kind of disappointing, to be yeah. honest. I, I agree. I thought he was going to be making a, another appearance at some point. But yeah. But yeah. no. I guess in order to make the point of like, it's every cat as opposed to just like one evil cat that remembers being dumped on the side <laughs> of the road with vengeance. Well, it's they've all yeah. the cats. They've gone feral, apparently. Exactly. They've, they've reverted to their tiger like instincts. And it's mm -hmm. all become now about hunting and eating, whether yes. it's attacking dogs or eating each other, each other's dead corpses. Well, and also the, the attacking people. The people of the town keep talking about how, like, there's no more raccoons around. There's no more, like... No more uh, birds, yeah. No more birds, no more... I feel like they were like, there's no more game. And I'm like, you're telling me some cats took down a deer? What are you talking about? <laughs> like, they keep just talking about how every other wilderness or other any other um, wild animal has, like, gone to the wayside in this this little town. Like, nobody has sees any more wild animals except for these cats they it's become a total cat apocalypse apparently exactly they're, they're kind of like the roaming bad guys from the road warrior without the leather <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so what happens next so we there are a few hints other than the sneakers being dumped off that you know the cat population the wild cat population has grown they talk about a 90 year old woman miss king which is crazy because when i think about burton Rouchet medical journalist, uh, medical short story writer, setting foot in this genre. Before I knew when this was published, my main thought was, oh, he's chasing the Stephen King dollar, isn't he? He's doing a movie that he can sell to the, to, uh, he's writing a book that he can sell to the movies. Mm -hmm. That's totally gotta be the reason he wanted to do this. And the fact that the old lady's name is Miss King mm. made me think like, that's gotta be, you know, he's, he's, he's just telling us up front that he's chasing that Stephen King dollar. But in 74, I think that was the same year I think that Carrie was published. So I don't think he was actually in yeah. the, 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 the big popular time, the post Stephen King horror fiction craze at this point. He was yeah, ahead of the game. He actually is ahead of the game because I feel like the big like kind of animal tax things all began kind of with Jaws, right? Yeah. So, and mm -hmm. Jaws didn't come out until 75. So he is pretty a, a f ahead of the game, I have to say, with like killer animals. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's the kind of thing where he just thought he was aware of this popularity, but I guess, you know, he was just anticipating it rising. Yeah, exactly. So Maybe all those other people mm -hmm. read that book and then were like, we'll make it better. It could be. <laughs> <laughs> we'll could do be the same, but like, make it better. <laughs> Good concept. We're going to punch it up a little bit. How about instead of killer cats, it's vampires in a small New England town. Exactly. <laughs> we, we like the killing the people. That's good. But yeah. let's just rethink the kind of basic concept here a little bit. Or like, when did the pack come out? Do you remember that? The, the pack, like, yeah, that's late 70s, I that's, think. Like 70, is it 70. late 70s? Yeah, that's yeah. definitely when, yeah, that's 77. So yeah, that's like later on in the 
Yeah, the oeuvre is that the right word of killer animals? The whole the the heyday of uh, killer the canine cannon. Yes, exactly. (laughs) When all the killer dogs movies start coming out. Yeah, yeah, I feel like the seventies and like early eighties is really the heyday of like when animals attacked on film. (laughs) Yeah, and I and who knew Burton Ruscha he was riding that wave in. I know it's kind of amazing starting that wave. Uh, but I got distracted. I was trying to talk about oh, the sorry. 90- yeah. No, no, was, I distracted myself. This 90 <laughs> year old woman, uh, the cat lady, right? She's okay. this retired teacher who took in all these strays and died. And after she died, there was all these cats who had no one to look after them. And they all got chucked into the forest. And that's sort of suggested that that's the beginning of this uh, cat Armageddon. There's all these mm-hmm. uh, strays that this woman took care of. And suddenly they're just cast into the wild. Which um, her life was exactly what i i mean they were describing her life and i was like that sounds like the dream <laughs> i was <laughs> i was like man that's gonna legit be me and it's gonna be so awesome <laughs> i was gonna ask how much you uh <laughs> how much you enjoyed the cat lady's uh, I legacy i did i liked her <laughs> she was great <laughs> well wendy make sure to uh make arrangements for your cats if that is where I, you ultimately no, end up i I legit every year I think on my birthday I like tell a group of friends of mine I'm like if I die in the next year this is what you need to do to my cats <laughs> good good <laughs> responsible no seriously that's good exactly yeah Gotta be on like, top of this thing I don't, don't care what you do it. with my shit but just make sure my cats don't go in a shelter that's the only thing I ask and I'm you know I'm guessing Miss King probably was on top of that I'm guessing she's 90 years old her mind's going a little bit, you know? Yeah. She's going a little crazy from the isolation with no more people out there. I'm sure she probably meant to make arrangements for her 200 cats and <laughs> it just somehow got away from her at some point, just naturally. Exactly. I don't blame her. I don't blame um, her at all. But then there are also scenes on Shine's Chicken Farm, which is the most birds-like sequence from the book because they go to this farm to buy you know, farm stuff, food and milk and whatnot. And there are apparently hundreds of cats just sitting there on this farm, kind of yeah. sizing them up as they walk past them, just sort of sitting there. And again, it's sort of like the uh, scene at the park and the birds where they're all perched on the, uh, on the, on the, on the playground. playground. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah that kind of creepiness. Yeah, that scene was weird, though, because it seemed like they were the friendly strays maybe because the guy was like yeah they get fed all the time i give them like whatever we have left over for the day so they weren't scary strays they were just in abundance yeah but it's at that time that jack i think realizes like a giant army of cats is something that's going to be intimidating even if they're not yeah creeping up on you exactly yeah even if yeah that's true and that these cats are subsisting on uh you know chicken meat you know and uh <laughs> leftover farm stuff it's probably also worrying that these guys are a bunch of carnivores who you know could be move up in the food chain eventually yeah so i, I guess like, yes <laughs> although that's not shocking i mean cats are carnivores so of course. Like, they do if you feed them anything else that's really actually terrible for them they should not have a vegan diet but mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's true. But yeah, but I guess if you don't realize, <laughs> you know, I mean, cats humans, could potentially eat. Yeah, humans <laughs> and chickens probably taste about the same, so you know, <laughs> it's possible. Um, <laughs> we're gonna look. <laughs> we won't answer that one. Um, so, 
the argument about uh, suburbia versus the country mm-hmm. uh, happens sort of off page, uh, but gets referenced twice uh, as the cat situation affects uh, Jack. You know, it affects his dinner. Um, since Amy buys store chicken instead of going to the farm with all the cats, um, they they can't eat because he doesn't like going to the the farm and seeing all the cats there. So the food, their food situation, <laughs> isn't good. Yes. So it starts to slow the, the cat population even before the attacks start is definitely affecting their their country bliss. Yes. This paradise that they set up for themselves. And they have a tinge of because at this point they have. Um, they have rescued a abandoned dog mm-hmm. uh, who was injured probably by the cats is what I think it was assumed. Um, but they've taken it to the vet and the vet is like, yeah, these assholes come and uh, for the summer and then they get these pets and then they just drop them off on the side of the road. And they're like, oh, that's exactly what we did. <laughs> um, so, you know, they have this guilt within them that they are a part of the problem. Um, yeah. Even even though they took in a dog and rescued it and um, made it a part of their family. Yeah, Dr. Tucker, the hero of the uh, the book, I think we could agree. Uh, I sort of agree because <laughs> some of his thoughts on cats, I was like, oh, times have changed since 1974. <laughs> I was like, oh, this guy, he's like totally has a cigarette in his mouth and is like stubbing it out. But then also like just how he talks about cats in general. I was like, I don't think a vet would talk like that these days. <laughs> Definitely nice. A man of his time for sure. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> but he tells a terrible story about inadvertently cutting the cat in two with the fan of his car engine. Oh God. But that actually, I, <laughs> I appreciated that he put that in the book because it's the number one thing I think about in the winter time. And you start seeing like people posting about it's like always knock your hood of your car because there's going to be a cat in there really (laughs) yeah i've heard i've like every winter i feel like i see somebody post about and be like just a reminder you always should bang on the the top of your like hood because cats do crawl up into it because it's a warm place to hide or like a raccoon might get up there something might get up into your car and then you start the engine and it it does shred them so oh jesus Wow, this is news to me. You know, I, I've seen cats. <laughs> I've certainly seen cats in winter hide under my car. Yeah, I won't get up in there. That I know. Yeah, sometimes they get up in there. <laughs> Good tip then. To, yes. For winter times, for sure. Um, what I like later on is that it's revealed that Doctor Tucker's had a heart attack, but it's mm-hmm. like once things have really started to go to shit and the cats have started attacking people, and you start thinking like the cats gave him a heart attack somehow? Yeah, that was my question. I didn't, if it, it seemed like they were trying to place it on the cat, yeah. on the cats, but I didn't know quite how that would happen. Maybe they all just like surrounded him at his place of business or something. I don't even know like how that would happen, but. Nothing is revealed, but since we're kind of hearing this information secondhand in the first place yeah. where there's the girl who gets uh, bitten on the finger and then develops the septicema and dies, Oh my God. Um, yeah, and it's all this stuff that they're hearing about from different sources, but they haven't actually had the things happening to them yet. Because it happens in the middle of that, you're like, oh no, Dr. Tuck would have it. And it's not like a gremlin situation mm-hmm. where they dropped off, you know, one of the pets with him and then it kills him. We don't know what happened. <laughs> they just say he's unavailable because he had a heart attack. Yeah, exactly. You're like, it was them dirty cats. I know I knows it. I knows it was them cats. <laughs> Somehow they set off his ticker. I don't know how. 
<laughs> and we should also mention while we're talking about these side characters, the uh, completely impotent dog warden in this community. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I was like, what is your, it, there was no point of that guy except for him to just be like, yeah, cats are a problem, but not my problem. I'm only allowed to do, I'm, not, I'm sure it's like a, how laws were back then, I, I assume, but like, it, I assume that like, it's an all encompassing animal job, not just literally dogs. Mm -hmm. like, I would think so, right? You know? Yeah, that's what I would assume. Like, there's that, I know there's the cartoonish figure of a dog catcher just going around and capturing dogs all the time, but I always assumed it was for, like, I mean, nowadays it is for sure, but I, I think I just always assume that it's for, like, all animals, whether it's, like, a, a raccoon you see during the day or like a snake that got into something your pool or yeah. you know like something like that so it's i don't one of those <laughs> ill-defined government jobs apparently that they created and what's later what's later revealed to be a kind of a corrupt government that they have in this area yeah, right? yeah exactly yeah so uh <laughs> and i guess to be fair you always think about oh there'll be a dog attack you know or a stray dog is dangerous um but very rarely do you think cat attack. You got to watch out for those things. Because so. you don't have to worry about a cat attack. <laughs> because that's never going to happen. <laughs> exactly. So the dog warden is not prepared to deal with cats. <laughs> exactly. Um, but you mentioned how this predated Jaws. It has that sort of Jaws-like scene where Jack gets all of the literature from the uh, National uh, Adobin Society. <laughs> He's going through all of the the facts about vagrant cats and how they can communicate with each other and how they can, you know, group, form a group and start attacking bigger prey. Yeah, but the thing I loved about that was that he got it from his job. And then it's also from like 1939. So I'm like, <laughs> yeah. wait, so you're basing your entire logical conclusion about these cats on info that was like four years before like you moved Pre-war info. Yeah. Exactly. I'm like, think about the science of that day and think about the science of your day. <laughs> when some poor guy got a sign, you know, Hitler, <laughs> Hitler could experiment on cats and they could use them against Americans. You exactly. need to research the possibility of a cat uprising just in case. And <laughs> he had to put all these facts together and make them convincing. So crazy. <laughs> so eventually, let's get into the the real nitty-gritty of this, yes. Um, it it kind of ends up becoming straw cats, ultimately, right? It was a home <laughs> invasion uh, situation where Jack and Amy are trapped in their house with cats surrounding them, mm. determined to get in there and feast on their, their urban corpses. Well, feast on them or feast on other cats? Because what's weird is that... Um, he's made the cats cannibalistic towards each other right mm -hmm. so if if one cat in the pack gets injured then they all attack and kill it and eat it to death like to the bones um so it's yeah totally weird... strip all the skin off of the yeah like so the cats are not only dangerous to humans but also dangerous to themselves and also they've killed the dog <laughs> yes the dog does become a cat which 
again, I was so angry at the owners because I was like, so you just let your dog run off and you didn't collect him before you went back home? You're like, oh, he knows the way home. I'll just drive off now. Go get the goddamn dog. I was so furious. I'm like, he did not just leave his dog in the wilderness. Oh, I I almost threw the book across the room, but didn't believe it. Oh, it was so frustrating. I was like, these are the most moronic people. These are the exact people who should never own a pet. Never. (laughs) Uh, No, I think that is crystal clear. (laughs) These guys actually don't care about animals at all. No, it was so frustrating. (laughs) Uh, But the the straw dogs comparison is is even more apt than I realized because he's prescribed a shotgun (laughs) to deal with his cat problem. They say, you know, if they get too close... If they're really encroaching on your territory, just blow them away, man. Yeah, which... Um, Go to town. I have a technical question. I don't know if you know that much about guns, but it's it it was... Um, it's I don't, kind of, go ahead. Okay, good, because I was really confused. Because I know a, a shotgun is a shotgun. I assume that there probably is many types, but I just always think of the one type, I guess. But he said something like, it's kind of like a mini shotgun? Like it's, it doesn't like have a, much of a range yeah. and it, you have to be kind of close. I pictured something like a sawed off double barrel shotgun. Oh, Cause he's constantly okay. popping it open and putting shells inside of it. Yeah. Okay. I was just confused about like, I'm like, it's a gun though. Like what? <laughs> I don't, I, I don't know. I, it's probably just cause I don't know anything about guns and I'm like, please don't shoot the cats. But. <laughs> and he has sort of an unconvincing sort of Dustin Hoffman moment where he's like, I'm a pacifist. I don't want to shoot cats oh yeah. fine i guess i'll go shoot some cats <laughs> yeah when they that start uh well the the preemptive uh, assault is on their trash can they keep knocking the trash can over uh to get at the stuff inside and so when the wife goes out to you know upright it then they start jumping around and, and trying to get her and she runs back in the house yeah so so i guess the question at this point is you know would they have become so aggressive if he hadn't come out and start blowing them away left and right? You know, is it his aggression that has caused all these cats to come by? Are they coming by because there was all these free, there's all this free food now that he is leaving the corpses of fat cats all <laughs> around the house? Also, it's just, it, it, there's so many times in this book that I was like, oh, you know what an easy, easy solution to this problem would have been you could have just TNR'd them all and like gotten rid of all those hormones built up in those cats and they would become way less aggressive and and like (laughs) there's so many like logical conclusions that weren't taken in this book I was like okay I don't know if shooting these animals to death is the number one (laughs) problem solving bit of this story but it's 1974. What are you going to do? Goddamn dog warden, I tell you. <laughs> I mean, honestly. That would, have been an, that would have been a very doable solution. But of course, uh, physical violence is where they go on. Yeah. Uh, we're introduced to um, a kind of a ringleader. He's a dirty white cat with a missing ear who keeps popping up and kind of, being, kind of, act, kind of acting a little more clever than the other cats. He's up on the roof and he's kind of always rushing away when he knows that the guy's going to start shooting. Uh, so he's not really, doesn't really become like a major character or anything like that, no. but kind of becomes the recurring cat that haunts this guy when he is inside of his house and he starts hearing the cats approaching and the increasing God awful noise that they're apparently making. 
Um, but all through all of this, all I'm thinking is like, so is the problem really that it's just uncomfortable for them? Like, it's just not a leisurely thing to have all these cats around. It's just an inconvenience. That's why it seemed to me, it, because it's only until kind of the very end, like when it really gets bad, that you he's like, oh my God, there's like a hundred or more cats out here. Because in the beginning, it just kind of seems like, He's like, there's four cats. Oh my God, they're following me around. <laughs> they're going to kill me. And I'm like, all right, dude, chill. There's like four, maybe six cats in your yard. Like, this is something that's way doable to deal with. Don't fret. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, you start killing them and you, you give up your dog for them to eat. And then they eat each other. You know, they're going to, they know where the meal ticket is and they're going to it. And they're going to come back in ducky boy numbers and everyone's going to be in trouble. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and there, yeah, there wasn't like one main cat that seemed to rule them all either. It was, it was, um, yeah, it, it, it was just like rando cats. <laughs> yeah. the, the only thing about that one cat, I think it had like a kitten in tow, right? Mm-hmm. Didn't yeah. he kind of talk about how it had a little kitten by its side? Mm-hmm. but but you don't really hear about that white cat ever again except for that one part and this we should say too is a really quick read it's a very short book yeah uh doesn't even it's not even 200 pages um he definitely could have had some time with the cats you know yeah. if he wanted to we could have spent a little time kind of seeing yeah. for ourselves what the wilderness is like and what kind of struggles they've had to been through you know it's a little through their perspective may have been a little bit nice you know or like some descriptions (laughs) of the cats instead of just like there was a cat like it he doesn't even really necessarily go into like what they look like if like you know there's the one white cat that's kind of dirty looking with a missing ear but other than that it's just a yellow cat attacked or, you know, something like that that doesn't really give you the personality of the cats. He does occasionally describe them as being massively big. He That's, says yeah. some of the cats are, are huge and very, very much more like a small uh, bobcat, I guess, is what yeah. you know, he's describing them as. They're or probably least, like Maine Coon kind of cats, which yeah. are massive. That's what I was assuming. But he, used, he does use three adjectives in a row that I kind of enjoy uh, to describe the cats. Rapacious, cautious, solitary, which I kind of <laughs> thought, well, there's your tagline right there, buddy. <laughs> that's, that's perfect. Exactly. Uh, so the eventual attack happens where they call the cops, trying to convince them that we are be, we're under siege by a bunch of cats. Of course, they're not taken seriously. So they send out a lone uh, dipshit of a cop uh, who, as soon as he exits his car and they're yelling at him, don't get out of the car, is swarmed by cats and devoured. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's, it's a great scene. It is a great scene. I really like that <laughs> scene. I was like, yeah, cats know what's up. <laughs> it's funny because you kind of think like, well, how bad is this carnage going to get? But then the image of, you know, the cats just getting, you know, completely overwhelming someone. And being mm-hmm. able to jump at him from, you know, a height. And once they get him on the ground, the idea of him trying to get up is, uh, you can understand why, like, he would be completely pinned down by all these cats. Yeah, I mean, I always think of, uh, like, with that kind of thing, I think, like, Sleepwalkers did it really well, where, like, you just see, like, all, or, like, um, Let the Right One In has that great scene of a woman being attacked mm-hmm. by all the cats, because cats don't like vampires. Mm-hmm. So, like, 
there's like 20 cats just attack her and she's just like running down the hallway with all these cats hanging off of her uh, it, it would be quite impossible to move <laughs> with yeah. like cats in their sharp claws like all over you attacking you yeah or even just if you think about one of the killer monkey movies like in the shadow of kilimanjaro or mm-hmm. uh, the scene from the omen where the the orangutans start jumping on the not the orangutans uh the baboons <laughs> start jumping on top of the car and, and trying to get mm. inside what do you usually think of monkeys being docile and then suddenly they work themselves up and there's a bunch of them mm-hmm. they're terrifying <laughs> wait i'm sorry did you say thinking of monkeys being docile do you think monkeys are docile? I well i was like monkeys watching are movies. frightening what are you doing? <laughs> i was like i would not want to be alone in a room with a monkey because they would scare the shit out of me i just know that they're gonna rip my face off if i make a sudden movement or something well Wendy, you're, you're very smart in this area i feel like most people <laughs> probably think of cute monkeys from project x and they will you know yeah that's legit yeah <laughs> <laughs> they think of bubbles you know yeah, exactly. Well, helper monkeys. They're helper. Exactly. They think of the cute monkey from Monkey Shines. Oh, uh, yes. Anyway. Exactly. Um, and so this is where, once they finally are able to escape the home and convince everyone that this is a legitimate problem, this is where the, the community gets together and we suddenly have all of these politicians and figureheads who have not been a factor in this narrative at all up to this point <laughs> coming around a table and trying to decide what's to be done about all these cats you got they're all you have like not one but like three mares not wanting to shut down the beach kind of yes, thing it's like a <laughs> whole room of mares from jaws <laughs> exactly they're like this is gonna look bad for the town nobody's gonna want to come here in the summertime anymore like the people the, the the animal people are going to be up in arms if we just go out and kill a bunch of cats. Right. They start worrying about like, you know, animal rights people squirming in and the political scandal of, you know, uh, exterminating cats, which is different, obviously, than exterminating, what, locusts, whatever usually yeah, attacks small exactly. towns. Yeah, exactly. And also, <laughs> it was really weird that they were talking about like, maybe doing like a trap neuter release program, but then they're like, people will get really upset if we like, take away the sex organs of these cats and i was like who's getting angry about that i was like what what was happening in the 70s where people were like my house cat cannot be de-sexed no that is against their right as a creature of the universe like no i'm pretty sure the nixon era is well uh, (laughs) known for its anti-neutering policy (laughs) i just thought that was the weirdest random thing i was like wait what I think they probably were just making an excuse since they didn't want to do all the work. Oh, right? 100%. Be so much yeah. work to get all these cats to, to trap them and then to have yeah. them all taken to the one vet who's had a heart attack, the only vet in town. Yeah. Also, I mean, who's really believing? Even though, like, they know a police officer has died at the hands of these cats, they're still just like, but it's cats. What? <laughs> so it's not until a young girl gets injured by the cats or dies gets actually killed by the cat gets yeah. killed by the cat that's right a young child and then the other one's in like a coma isn't it like two kids yeah. get hurt one dies one's like severely injured once the kids start getting killed then you gotta do something <laughs> i mean it's great the cats are going over like it's great i was like cats know what's up they're killing the cops and the kids they're just <laughs> like me <laughs> Took a page from the Wendy Mays book. And... I mean, it's like I wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
no, it's it's definitely satisfying when the cats have really started to make an impact on the town, you know. And yeah, you know, we previously thought this guy was just being paranoid about these stray cats, but then it's like, no, they're organized. <laughs> they're actually taking people down, and in a perfect community where everything is so isolated and everyone lives so far apart, even though they get together with their neighbors here and there. Uh, once they their house is surrounded, there really is no place for them to go. Yeah, yeah. They're they're permanently trapped, and they're if the cats keep growing and growing their mm-hmm. numbers, then they're going to overtake the town soon. Right, and it's the perfect thing where it's like first they they undervalued, you know, they underrated the the cats' ability to to band together and attack, and now it's too late. Now there are too many of them. But what they end up organizing is just a mass extermination, basically, where they're just going to get everybody in a big line and walk through the woods killing cats murdering murdering cats just like left shooting and them right all. which it's like how effective could that possibly be anyway aren't there trees i mean aren't that, there nooks yeah. and crannies that these kitties can hide in that's what how they were saying too all? it's like dips and he was talking about how like there's like there's valleys in the woods and like there yeah i just i don't know how they would have gotten them all i was like i don't know how long of a hands across America line you have here, <laughs> yeah, but right? like the cats are smart. They'll just go around you. Like you'll probably get a good chunk, but like you're not getting all those cats. But somehow they, somehow these yokels manage some kind of pincer movement or something yeah. that, that, that corrals all the cats into this one ravine and they all go off the side of the, the, the ledge. And that's like, wow, well, you just somehow got all of them in yeah. this one, one movement. Um, Bummer of an ending. <laughs> Bummer of an ending. There was one part, like, for the most part, I was okay. I was like, okay, well, he's not really describing, like, he's just hearing shots and blah, 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 blah. There was two parts that kind of upset me, and it had to do, obviously, with the main character. And there's one death where, like, the cat is on his back, and he slams against the tree. And I was like, oh, like, I felt that in my bones. I was like, oh. This is the stuff I was worried about. Yeah, that yeah. one was really bad. And then the I kids... still remember you getting upset about the dogs getting brutalized by Link in the movie Link. Yeah, that was unnecessary. Come on. <laughs> Be kind of animals in your stories, writers and filmmakers. Yeah. Uh, um, and then he, he sees a group of kittens and blows them away. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, he even has the thought process of like, well, they're kittens. They're not harmless yet. And he's like, can't take any chances. <laughs> I was like, oh Jesus my God, Christ. what? I'm <laughs> nauseated to have to do this, but I must. I know. I was like, but you just, they just killed a human child. You know this pain. Why kill a, a baby kitten? Oh my God. Well, I guess death is probably better than him taking them home and raising them because he's oh obviously God. a terrible he's, pet owner. He is a terrible pet owner. That's one thing I think everyone can agree on. Yes, exactly. But so we do kind of get a hint that maybe Sneakers is among the corpses because he sees a cat that looks like it could be a grown-up Sneakers, but mm-hmm. he, he can't bring himself to go to over and at- examine to see if the, the feet yeah. or the, the black feet or whatever that... Uh, that distinguishing characteristic that would prove that he is complacent in this, uh, not complacent, that he yeah, is uh, part, yeah, at he's fault. Yeah, part of the problem. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. He's, he's contributed to this madness. Which, you know, suggests that Ruscha the whole time was interested in this being a cautionary tale yeah. about 
taking care of your cats. If you can't care for them, find a nice home for them and mm-hmm. enter the home and ask them if they'll take care of them. <laughs> Not just drop them off and ring the doorbell and run away, which they don't even do. They just drop them off. No. On the side of the just road. the sidewalk. And the cat's just <laughs> sitting there staring at the car and drive away. I hated them. Heartbreaking. <laughs> um, but uh, a pretty effective book, though. I think the writing was pretty good. Uh, he's definitely someone who has, you know, toiled in, I think, you know, the, the thriller and the, in the in the crime genre you can he built suspense really well mm-hmm. and you definitely feel these moments even while you know you don't really care about the characters that much certainly not the married couple <laughs> you, you still like you, you can appreciate you know the the rising tension and the 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 mounting dread as things start to really reach a, a boiling point with the human versus cat scenario that we're reading about here did you enjoy the book in terms of the writing? Um, I thought it was okay. I thought, like, I feel like it it moved pretty slowly, and then just all of a sudden at the end, it went bonkers. I don't hmm. know that I felt the whole creeping, uh, like, I guess I saw what he was doing, but it honestly, it's probably just because he lost me early on in the book with those, with the, the main character's abandoning their cat yeah that like i really had a hard time sympathizing for them or anything like it just in and it's it might also be that because i'm such an animal lover that i was like there's just so many other ways that you people could be fixing this problem um that already confessed that you wanted these people to die (laughs) yeah i really did i wanted one of them to just pay the price Uh, (laughs) um but yeah, I, I feel like I mean I did like it. I don't know that it's it's it it was. There's only like three parts, honestly, that were like a little hard to read, and in those parts were like it was like one or two sentence long. So for the mm. most part, it was fairly you know for like being mad at them for abandoning their cat, and then the two deaths at the end. Um, that those were like quick lines to read through. But I still, but for the most, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but um, I no, mean, I think I the cat bashing is definitely the, yeah. the most upsetting stuff. I think it's more upsetting than the human deaths, which are treated so sensationally, yeah, happen, but enjoy them, yeah. And I feel like because I didn't know the characters that necessarily died, I did like, um, I didn't like how they did he, how he wrote the the woman who got her finger bit and then eventually mm-hmm. died. I liked how that came out. Like, I like how he wrote that because it was just like like the ladies of, of this town getting together, drinking wine, and discussing one of the other ladies. And they're like, did you hear? Susie mm-hmm. got bit on the finger by a stray cat, and now she's in the hospital. And I, I kind of liked that. Um, and then, like, you know, like a chapter later, they're like, oh, no, that bitch died. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they kind of just... He, throws it out there that she's now dead um i I really enjoyed how that was kind of placed i had a really hard time with the main character i think that that was my main flaw with with the book it's just i found him totally unsympathetic and kind of a dick (laughs) so it was hard to follow his journey yeah Um, it's hard to feel bad for him when 
his main problem murdering these cats is how he feels about it. Yeah. And especially <laughs> since I know that he's the one that made his wife kind of abandon the cat. And then, so he just doesn't seem very nice to his wife. Uh, it, there wasn't, he just didn't really have that many redeeming <laughs> factors to me. But again, it is a book right, written in 1974. So yeah. totally different time and era and place. So, Well, it's funny to think that Ruchet lived in this community, knew this community. Yeah. You know, because there are all these kind of side scenes of the, the city people who have summer homes getting together and just shooting the shit and drinking martinis and whatever. And you're like, man, I hate these people. And it seems like Rouchet hates these people. And mm. uh, you think, wow, you know what these people could use? A little cat arm again in their lives. You know, a little, <laughs> something to really stir the pot a little bit. Because yeah. otherwise it's just going to bed at eight o'clock at night and then going to the farm for some milk the next day for the rest of their lives. And, you know, they need, they need a little something to happen in this community to really kind of shake the bacon a little bit. Yeah. To bring them all. Yeah. To, to not think of them as just like townies versus Mm -hmm. whatever the opposite of townies is Um, (laughs) vacationers, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) But yeah. (laughs) Leavers. (laughs) Yeah, because even like at the end, it's um, the child that dies is from a couple that's trying to buy a summer home, right? So mm-hmm. it's more outsiders coming into this small community um, and the cats attack them. Yes. So it's almost like they're trying to stop the gentrification of their Yeah, their exactly. Yeah. So there's like hints. I, I, I liked his ideas behind it and I, I liked his themes um i feel like it it just like it it has the the backbone i think like you said i probably would just tweaked it a little bit maybe Mm -hmm. well not me personally because i can't write but you know maybe just sort of ironed out some of the conflicting ideas yeah exactly like this is like a perfect like you said it's the perfect sort of leisurely place you know to live your life and it's kind of the ideal way but at the same time saying these guys come into this community are going to cause tr- problems like they're the things that they do are going to come back and bite them literally <laughs> literally yeah and then also talking about like i can see that he was trying to like be like all right so animal population remember we are you know humans are invading the environment the natural environment of these mm-hmm. animals anyway and then nature's gonna come back and get us at some point um it's just it was i feel like nobody in the book really understood there wasn't like the one character that was like and it's such a cliche thing to do but the one character that knows cats and has studied them and it's like this is how you fix them you know like the expert that comes in and kind of yeah. tries tries to like talk some sense into people or like if comes in and saves the day in some weird way right or the um, queen character missing a, an eye who says yeah exactly you can't take these cats for granted look yeah what, I, look exactly. what happened when i did <laughs> exactly these buggers will bite your legs off i tell you <laughs> yeah there wasn't that character so it just seemed like a bunch of like uh, it just seemed like a bunch of people trying to just not knowing. Shits. Yeah, exactly. Like not <laughs> fucking knowing what they're doing. And then this is their solution is just let's take a bunch of guns and go into the forest and kill them all. 
which works inexplicably. Which, yeah, exactly. <laughs> which somehow manages to work. They kill like 300 cats somehow. <laughs> and, you know, I kind of wish that they had kind of had a sort of an M. Night Shyamalan sort of stinger at the end where they're like, we just got a call from a place upstate. They're having the same problem. It's yeah. happening all around the world. <laughs> I thought for sure there would be like, so we went home at night and then he heard a meow. You yeah. know, like I thought that that was 100% how the book was going to end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, didn't get that. Um, but whether or not they've learned anything from this, whether, I mean, I mean, I guess you have to give it that the birds had no motivation, right? We have no idea why the birds decided That's to attack true. Tippy Hedron. But yeah. in this situation, he gets a pretty good reason for the cats to want to revolt because yeah. they have been uncared for they've been treated like shit and dropped off on the side of the road by these city folk who are you know trying to drink their martinis in peace without <laughs> but yeah. the cats kill... to be fair though the cats also kill nature <laughs> since they're they do. eating yeah, all they... of the, ba- the animals and the, the birds and they and everything. Just kill everything but i think that that's also a side project um, not a side project, a side uh, consequence of man encroaching on mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this nature, right? Because then man nature feeding in... on itself. Yeah. Exactly, mm-hmm. man brings in these creatures that aren't natural to the environment, and then dumps them on the wayside. Yeah. So it's their own toxicity that is invading, along with them building and taking away the homes of these creatures, anyway. So, what would you say? Top three lessons that we learned from this story. I'm thinking number one. Make make arrangements for your cats, even if you're <laughs> 90 years old. Mm-hmm. Make sure they go to a good home if you should pa- happen to pass away. God True. forbid. Yeah. Uh, two, don't dump your cat on the side of a road and assume that someone will just adopt them. Oh, I'm still <laughs> so upsetting. <laughs> oh, I'm so still so angry. And three, if you're going to accept a dog warden position, maybe read up on other animals as well. <laughs> Because in this story, the dog is the victim. So yeah, even though the dog, the dog is like a double victim because yeah, the dog they is. talk about because the vet is even like yeah, people come up here all the time and just dump their dogs off at the side of the road and drive off. They do it with the cats. They do it with the dogs. So the dog has just been and dogs are like definitely can't go out in nature and kind of be you know these they're even more so than cats. I feel like cats have like still that natural instinct of hunting and stuff like that but dogs are really like need humans in their lives kind of thing so yeah it's that thing yeah yeah uh so and then he just happens to stumble upon the yard of shitty owners that (laughs) leave them on the side of the road when they're collecting firewood because they know he'll be able to get back right because he has some way of telling direction and Oh, oh my god these people Jerk. i'm done talking about these people wendy exactly yeah um yeah. let's talk about strays for a minute okay um because i couldn't believe the the similarities between feral and strays it's crazy well that's what i'm saying like i really thought like when you suggested this book i was like oh this must have been i like for some reason thought that strays was based on a book or just assumed that it was and i was like this must be the book that strays is best based on yes let's read it this is gonna be rad no not at all (laughs) (laughs) i guess not it's weird because 
Uh, well, well, first, when I when I started the movie, I thought, well, you know, the birds except with cats is not like a really <laughs> complicated idea. I'm yeah. sure, you know, people other than Bert and Rocher had this idea. But it's, again, it's a, it's a married couple, again, who are moving into this rural home. They have, uh, it's uh, Timothy, as you said, but Timothy Busfield and Kathleen mm-hmm. Quinlan. And they have this freakishly doll-like daughter with them. Mm-hmm. Um, it even, but it even it even opens with a cat lady, an old cat lady. Oh, I loved her. She's taking uh, care of the cats, and she gets killed by the cats, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, which gets covered up by the realtor, I guess. <laughs> uh, and then moving into it, you have the cats, um, yeah, again, sort of acting creepy, kind of hanging around the house. Uh, you have uh, a dog. They have a dog who eventually gets victimized by the cats. And... And there's one scene where they have a vet come over to the house, so they have a vet scene in this too, and the vet literally says the word feral about 20 times. Ah. It's crazy, <laughs> he says. Well, except it's like at the 40-minute mark of this, you know, hour and 20-minute movie yeah. where he says, uh, straight, nothing wrong with stray cats unless they go feral. Feral, what's that? Oh, that's when they revert to their animal instincts and start hunting. Yeah, you get a feral cat. You got to watch out. He used the word feral more than Bert Boucher. <laughs> I can't even remember if the word feral comes up in this book, honestly. But yeah. in the movie, again and again, this guy says it. And I'm just like, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Why was there not a title saying, based on the book Feral by Bert Boucher? Yeah, or like even like loosely, because there are enough, I think, enough distinctions, right? So that it's not completely a stolen thing but it could have been like based loosely based on or like idea from yeah something something. like that the main the main difference is that rather than being trapped inside the house because in the uh, feral the cats don't get into the house Mm -hmm. it's trapped inside the house in the in strays because the cats start taking they're apparently hiding out in the basement yeah they come inside they're running around the vents and oh, it, it, it got so ridiculous. Yeah, it got so ridiculous. I thought it was going to be like a Jurassic Park Raptors thing where they're like, the cats have figured out how to open the doors, you know? Yeah, <laughs> kind of. I mean, she shoves like pillows and vents because the, the cats can claw through the vents. Mm-hmm. And then you just see like feathers coming down and she's like, ah! And they, cu- and they cut the power to the house. They cut the power to the house. That's <laughs> right. It's easy to do. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently if you're a cat. And, um, and the vet has told them specifically cats hate water that's what you got to do which they didn't know i guess i know right exactly <laughs> this is new they, they treat this like this is a huge revelation and oh water okay and wow. so fortunately it starts raining outside in the big climax where the cats make their attack so once kathleen quinlan and her daughter get outside the cats can't get them outside because they don't want to be out in the rain conveniently so enough stupid. um it made me think because the tagline apparently for this movie is they have nine uh, they can they can get nine lives and they want yours right is the tagline i think the tagline <laughs> the tagline should have been just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water and it is <laughs> <laughs> because if you can get the to only water, safe places in the water <laughs> just gotta <laughs> that's fill, great fill a vase with water and you should be okay i like also that it's a bit of um, a reunion uh, the, for the movie The Hidden because it has Claudia Ooh. Christian and William Boyette. Is that how you say his last name? Both of them are in The Hidden. Oh, I had noticed them that. In, in the, or this, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. 
Yeah, because I couldn't, I couldn't remember, like, what, the first time I saw The Hidden, I was like, where do I know that woman from? And it wasn't until, like, I rewatched Stray's, like, last week, a little bit of it, that I was like, oh, my God, that's where I know her from. <laughs> oh, wow. Yes, I know her from Stray's. Does she play the sister? Yeah, she's the sister. The sister was my favorite thing about the movie. I mean, the sister was the most outrageous plot point of it's the whole movie. <laughs> Had this like character from Dynasty just randomly showing up in the movie where she's just <laughs> getting a divorce and she's super horny. Yeah. And my favorite part is when uh, someone leaves her a message and her voicemail is something like, um, sorry, I missed you. Please leave your name and telephone number and all your secrets. <gasps> That's amazing. That should be my new Whoa, message. Whoa, hello. I love that. <laughs> so that's that's claire's her character's name and i knew the claire was going to be cat food for sure oh 100 <laughs> percent. i mean you don't hit on your sister's husband and get away with it not if it's tim busfield you don't also i was like tim busfield is who she's gonna hit on after yeah. i'm like she's like the sauciest looking sex goddess and she's just like hey what's up and he's like always wearing his glasses and a tie and a suit and you're just like that's what she's gonna hit on nonstop. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> how small is this town? <laughs> uh, must be pretty small, I think. <laughs> the same same town as Field of Dreams take place in in Iowa, I'm guessing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, the other thing I thought about this movie is Kathleen Quinlan's career always vexes me because I think of her as being in Apollo 13 and you know mm-hmm. other big Hollywood movies, and then she does all this crappy TV stuff. I mean, love amazingly crappy TV stuff. Yeah. Um, on top of it so she's i mean she's very prolific i guess but it's just a weird sort of balance between doing these huge a-list movies playing tom hanks's you know love interest and then doing almost the same <laughs> within the same time strays on tv with tim busfield you know yeah that is really weird that's i didn't even think about that that this probably came out around the same time yeah yeah huh. like, like she was in the doors the year before yeah that know? is so bizarre yeah I wonder if they thought it was going to be like a, a bigger movie and not just made for TV. Maybe it's possible. Uh-huh. You get you get the DP of Jaws: The Revenge. You expect big things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get Sean Cassidy script. You're thinking this one's going Oscar Town. Maybe that's how he roped them all in. It was Sean Cassidy was just like, "Listen, do me a favor. Be in this thing <laughs> that I wrote. That's great. Thank you." We got the guy from Hardy Boys. <laughs> <laughs> um so my dessert with uh feral by burton Rouchet is something you've already mentioned it's mm-hmm. sleepwalkers from the early 90s as well obviously after you read this book and if what however you're feeling you're probably going to feel grossed out by the human on cat violence one way or another you will definitely enjoy the cat on evil demon violence that takes place in mick garris's yeah. sleepwalkers uh because in sleepwalkers uh, it deals with an incestuous, uh, immortal mother and son who prey upon virgins, the life force of virgins, uh, but hate cats. Cats hate them. They have some kind of beef, even though it's sort of revealed that they are yeah, they're like, like cat creatures. People. Yeah, yeah, they're cat they're people. Like, they're like cat aliens or something like that. Yeah, so I don't know if it's some kind of an infighting thing yeah. that uh, they have problems with regular four-legged cats. <laughs> but um but it's a, it has a phenomenal climax oh. the, the cats come to save matron and mick's life and uh and take out uh, alice cridge's evil sleepwalkers if you, 
if you're not familiar with it, it is absolutely fantastic. It is. I actually, um, I host a movie trivia night and uh, not this past one, but the one before, I forget, what was my theme? Uh, oh, food deaths. And I use, there's an amazing nice. death in Sleepwalkers where somebody gets stabbed with corn cob, with corn yes. on the cob. And it's one of the great cinematic deaths. It's an amazing scene. It's so good. I love, I genuinely <laughs> love sleep, uh, Sleepwalkers. I think it's a great movie. Oh, me too. I, I, every, that whole section where Alice Cridge is just murdering police officers left and right is yeah. a thrill. <laughs> yeah, the climax, Clovis. Clovis the cat, yes. Clovis the cat. It's one of the, I mean, yeah, the policeman that owns it. I mean, he's just great. Yeah, every, sort of a similar every, motivation, right? It's revenge. Yeah. Because, yeah. uh the kid the son kills the the officer yeah and uh, clovis is obviously upset and then clovis ends up leading the army of cats that's right that save mage and at the end of the movie so wow. it's always about the revenge for these cats and i can't blame them cats don't forget they don't <laughs> nope they're like <laughs> elephants they don't forget uh wendy what is your dessert to go with feral so my dessert to go with feral is that if you have a problem with feral cats in your area, learn to T and R. T and R, <laughs> what is that? That means trap, neuter, and release. It's the easiest way to combat homelessness for cats, less cats in the shelter, less feral cats out there moaning outside your window at night marking up your territory or what you think is your territory it makes and it, it's better for the environment because once a cat is neutered it's less likely to attack wildlife so it saves birds and it saves all kinds of different wildlife so <laughs> that is my i suggest that people go online and learn just Google, if you just put in to Google, learn TNR, you will come up with re resources in your area where you can learn to help save cat populations by learning to trap, neuter, and release. I know that in New York, they have what is known as the uh, Feral Cat Initiative. And that is uh, the AnimalAllianceNYC.org has that on their website. And you can learn about They'll give you free traps to put in your yard. They'll tell you how to transport the cats, help you out. It's a community outreach thing. It's great. It's what everybody should be doing. Learn about feral cats, their history and their behavior, and then help save cats. That's, it's not a book, it's not a movie, but <laughs> this book made me so angry because- It's just a piece just, of great advice. If they knew how to trap a theater and release, none of this would have happened. <laughs> Jesus, if they just knew not not to throw a cat away. Like I mean, honestly, exactly. Uh, <laughs> you know, I swear, exactly. Well, but just to clarify though, um, this is the right procedure for stray cats or, or for feral cats, for both? Uh, for both, for both. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of cats that you see that are strays um, are either feral cats. If, if they really run away from people, they're probably more feral and they can't be rehomed. So they're mm -hmm. actually better off on the streets. But if you trap, neuter, and release them, then they'll stick to the one environment, and they won't. There's less likely chances of them like sp um, spreading diseases um, amongst themselves, and then also um, adding to more cats on the streets. So because they're not impregnating or, or be getting pregnant themselves. Mm -hmm. um, but also, it, it's if you trap. Um, uh, uh, 
well, it's also trap neuter release for like people that, cause sadly a lot of people still do this. I see it every day on the many cat groups that I'm a part of on Facebook. People move into new places, new apartments. They move into new houses that don't allow cats. And so they just dump their pet on the street and this cat has no idea what's happening. So mm -hmm. that is a good way also to trap those cats, make sure that they're okay. And if they're friendly enough, they might get adopted by a family that actually loves them and will not abandon them just because they're moving into a new apartment. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it's for both. It's for both feral cats and um, abandoned pets. A very different kind of dessert uh, yes. option, but I approve. <laughs> to get serious but about it. Nice. It's a yeah. very... It's a very serious thing that I, I, I love it. Yeah, it's great. Make, get yourself a cat colony. <laughs> <laughs> Become the, the cat lady on your block. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, Wendy, please tell us real quick, what's, uh, what's in the future of Pet Cemetery? And also for our New York audiences, tell them about Trivia Night. Okay. Uh, well, Pet Cemetery is a little bit on hold right now, but I'm going to, uh, I think I'm gonna, trying to get it re work some things together to get it restarted in the new year, at least by the new year. Um, but people Excellent. can also find me on the Losers podcast, which is a podcast where we take a look at the losers of Oscar history. So we compare what won and then a loser in the category and see if the Oscars were right or if they're wrong. So much. I love it. Oh, good. Yay. So much. It's great. <laughs> we have a lot of fun. It's a very thirsty podcast. So um, a lot of the times we're just talking about how good the men look or <laughs> <laughs> something like that. But we're also critics. It's important ground to cover. Um, yes, exactly. Um, but if you are in New York City, uh, more importantly, if you are in Brooklyn, uh, come on over on the first and third of every Tuesday of the month. Uh, I do movie trivia at Nighthawk Cinema in Prospect Park. Um, it's at 8 p.m. and it's always free. And uh, we always have fun with it. Me and my friend, uh, me and my co-host Kevin, uh, we do five rounds of trivia, and uh, you can win yourself some free movie tickets and some free drinks. It's a lot of fun. It is. It's so much fun. I haven't been to the new venue yet, but I look forward to doing that. It's yeah. always a good time. Yeah, it was. We just did Halloween trivia last night, and it was a lot of fun. I had oh, a really good time. Oh, that's yeah. great! <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Wendy. Um, thank you to our listeners. Thank you, Patreon subscribers, for your support. Uh, this podcast wouldn't exist without you. We are in your debt greatly. Uh, there's a lot going on right now with the Pink Smoke podcast. We have a three-part uh, episode for our <laughs> movie episode this year, uh, uh, this month. Uh, for the month of October, we're doing the best horror films of the decade. And the way we're approaching that is uh, our uh, special guest, Scott Bradley, S.A. Bradley from the Hellbent for Horror podcast and author of Screaming for Pleasure, an excellent book on uh, horror films. Uh, we asked him to pick his five favorite films, five films that really affected him that he loved, not necessarily the best films, but ones that he thought were important from the last decade, 2010 to 2019. Chris and I also picked our five favorites and we talk about them. We talk about lists that we got from uh, contributors that we reached out to horror producers and experts and writers. Uh, we got 27 in total 
given us their their top five list and we go through all of them that's why it is a massive three-part episode (laughs) but believe me it is it's great scott is an amazing authority on horror films it's great just to get him to talk about all these films and talk about as many as we can because it really was a great decade for horror so that is our best horror of the decade episode and for the next Pulp Fiction episode, we're going to have recurring guest Mr. Martin Kessler back to talk about Philip K. Dick's The Galactic Pot uh, Healer. Go to delve into science fiction for the very first time on the episode. So keep an eye open on that. Again, Wendy Mays, thank you so much for doing this book with me. This was so much fun. Thank you for asking me. This was fun. I had a really good time. We love having you on. Um, and that's you guys all we got. made me get glasses. <laughs> How's that? Because I uh, I mainly listen to audio books on the subway or whatever. And so like, this is a physical book that I have to read. And I discovered that like, I can't really read books anymore. So I had to get reading glasses. So we improved your ocular health. Yes, because I am now of that age where my eyesight is finally deteriorating from the perfect vision that I've had all my oh, life. Well, sorry I am now an old lady that needs reading glasses. <laughs> it happens to us all, unfortunately. Oh, damn it. <laughs> so, somebody, somebody who's able to do an audiobook of Feral by Burton Rocher, get it for future. Uh, people exactly. of a certain age, we'd really appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> uh, but thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on and, and chat. Thanks so much, Wendy. Thanks, everybody. Have a wonderful time. Thank you.